microphone. I can hear the wind blowing a lot. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're here in beautiful Nicaragua, and you can actually see uh, the wind uh, blowing right behind me because it's uh, quite a windy day, even though it's sunny blue skies uh, above me, and I'm wearing a t-shirt and shorts. Still, it's quite windy over here. We're right along the Pacific Ocean here in uh, Nicaragua in San Juan del Sur. And as we're traveling, we actually love interviewing fellow world travelers and uh, fellow travel bloggers. And we actually have one on the show today. Uh, our guest today is the uh, name is Tom Battelle, and he's actually the founder of Travel Pass 50. And it's a very unique uh, niche uh, because he's uh, inspiring people who are over 50 to travel. And he and his wife have been traveling for five years continuously. In uh, 2010, they actually sold their stuff and they traveled around the world for five years. And now they've settled uh, temporarily uh, to take care of their grandchild. And just as of uh, last week, they actually uh, won several different awards in the areas of writing and photography. Uh, so we're going to be interviewing Tom all about his uh, his travels with his wife and, of course, the travel blog, his passion for photography, and some tips for you guys who are watching who are over 50 to get yourselves on the road as well. So, Tom, how are you doing there in beautiful Minnesota today? Uh, just great, Ricky. Thanks. It's nice to talk to you. Can it you is hear me? great to talk to you as well. Uh, so, Tom, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better? I did a quick intro, but uh, why don't we hear it from your own words if you're going to do a little bit of an introduction about yourself and your family. Okay, well, uh, my wife, Chris, and I were the founders of the uh, so-called alternative newspaper in the Twin Cities in 1979, and we ran that for uh, 18 years and sold it. Uh, we then took some time off and uh, did some traveling then, and then came back, started another magazine, ran that for five years, taught journalism at the University of Minnesota, both of us. And uh, then finally in 2010, we decided we were going to make this traveling a full-time deal. And we uh, sold our home, sold most of our stuff. We had this great big old home in South Minneapolis and uh, gave away a lot of stuff to our kids and took off. And we traveled pretty much constantly for a little more than five years. Uh, two years ago, we uh, bought a little condo in St. Paul. Uh, and uh, so we've been traveling a little bit less, but by less, I mean, we're still traveling more than six months a year. We're just not traveling 11 months a year like we used to. <laughs> So, uh, and in 2013, we started the blog Travel Pass 50, and we kind of started it just as a way so our family could keep up with where the heck we were. And then it sort of morphed into uh, trying to take it a little more seriously as uh, a vehicle to uh, communicate with more than just our own family. So <laughs> that's kind of where we're at right now cleaning up the mess we made for four years before we figured out how to blog. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely did a phenomenal job. I, I had a chance to look at your website pre-interview. Uh, uh, it is definitely very inspiring and very content rich. And uh, of course, the great writing and the great photography and the great tips. 
for people who want to travel more. Uh, so, Tom, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you sold all your stuff and you actually traveled for not one year, two year, three year, four years, but five years continuously. That is very impressive. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people will try. Uh, they, they might do something similar, uh, sell all the stuff and maybe travel for just a year. But if you, uh, here you were actually traveling for five years continuously. Uh, walk us through that journey. I mean, uh, did you, uh, when you sold all your stuff, did you know it was going to be the five years? Uh, walk us through kind of the mindset and the logistics and uh, that journey, the five years plus journey. Well, the first year uh, we moved, uh, we first went to Ecuador and uh, stayed there for about nine months, uh, did a little teaching of English, and then pretty soon, even though I had experience doing that, I actually have a CELTA certificate in English teaching, it uh, became clear to me that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And so uh, we left Ecuador after about nine months. We moved to Chile for four months, which we loved. And during that time, traveled uh, quite a bit around South America. And then uh, after that, uh, we decided we were just going to kind of make the traveling thing uh, more permanent. Uh, not that we hadn't been already gone for a year. but. Uh, we went to Spain soon after that and uh, stayed there for a while. And Spain has always kind of been our second home. We, when we were young, uh, when we were first married, uh, we moved to Spain and lived there for two years. So uh, we went back there. Uh, since that time, we've been back to Spain probably eight or nine times since 2010 <laughs> and uh, we'll be going back there again this year but uh, we've also managed to mix in a total of uh, I think at last count 66 countries <laughs> so uh, we've been to a lot of places and uh, we really enjoy it and have found many many places that we want to go back to so Awesome. So you did the Ecuador, you did Chile, you did Spain, and then uh, just throw in another 60 plus countries there on the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us maybe some of the highlights of your five years of travel. Uh, you mentioned uh, living in Ecuador. Obviously, it's very different when you're traveling as opposed to living. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, you base yourself in Spain and cover that uh, area. But any other particular highlights um, or even some lowlights because it's uh, not always good when you're on the road. But uh, what's, what really stood out from you from those five years of continuous travel? Well, there, uh, what we tend to do when we go to a country is try to stay there for a period of time. And uh, that includes uh, spending uh, two months in Italy a couple of years ago. We spent uh, six weeks in Japan. We spent uh, almost four weeks in China. Uh, we're, we're sort of of the opinion that you have to land somewhere and experience it to a larger degree and that takes more time and i mean we just had a month in argentina that was our last sort of real trip uh and uh got to know not just buenos aires but also salta in the north desert and patagonia in the uh, southern very wet area so it it's a uh, uh, 
it's a matter, I think, of going to a country and spending enough time there that you feel like you get a sense of it and meet some people. That's the key, meeting some people. Yeah, definitely the people and, of course, uh, absorbing the local culture is uh, what travel is all about at the end of the day. It's not just ticking off all those items off the bucket yeah. list. Uh, Tom, uh, tell us about maybe some of the challenges, too, because, uh, you know, on social media, on the blog, usually you usually just see the good stuff. Uh, but travel uh, has its valleys and its peaks. Uh, maybe share with us some of your struggles and difficulties as well when you're traveling. Well, you know, honestly, we haven't had too many terrible experiences. Um, uh, 40 years ago, we got shot at one night in Barcelona. That was kind of exciting. Uh, we found ourselves in a uh, political uh, riot that we had, we just actually literally stumbled into. And uh, other than that, uh, we, uh, let me see, what can I think of the frightening experiences include uh, climbing Cradle Mountain in Tasmania, where we were told that any reasonably fit person could climb uh, Cradle Mountain. I, I would amend that if somebody were asking me about it. Any reasonably fit mountain goat could probably get up there, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was uh, scary at, at some places. It's it's not a technical climb. I mean, you don't have to use ropes and pitons, but there are plenty of times when you're in danger of falling. Um, some of the other, I mean, probably the craziest thing we ever did was uh, we walked uh, 120 kilometers through the Guatemalan jungle to get to uh, a very remote uh, Mayan ruin site called El Mirador. And there's only one way you can get there. You can either walk in through the jungle or you can helicopter in. I guess that's two ways. And since uh, we weren't... Uh, uh, didn't feel like taking a helicopter. We actually walked in with Indian guides and with mules carrying our stuff. And and uh, honestly, that was uh, kind of a brutal experience <laughs> that I'm not sure I would uh, do again, but uh, it was something to have done. So I actually, I think I could recommend it. I would say uh, wear better shoes than I did, though. I had some really, I had some awful shoes that <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't do that again. Awesome, awesome, great, great, great tips there, and great adventures you've been on. So you're actually documenting uh, all these travels and more tips, advice, recommendations for your readers, your community, your tribe on your website. Uh, tell us a little bit about the site in terms of when did you start it up and uh, what are the major themes and topics you guys are writing about on there? Well, uh, it's called travelpast50.com and uh, we actually started writing in uh, for this site in 2013, so we were like three years into our travels at that time. We were each doing our own blogs before that, but they were really just sort of personal travel logs. They didn't, uh, I, I don't think they had any more to them than they were sort of letters to our family. Hey, here's what we're doing. Uh, and here are some pictures. But um, since then, we sort of, uh, you know, sort of accidentally through Facebook and whatever, uh, developed an audience and people said to us, well, tell us more about your traveling. And so uh, we 
kind of combined those two personal blogs into Travel Past 50 and started writing about uh, destinations and uh, how we approach them. And we kind of, uh, our, our first love, we're both uh, liberal arts graduates and both have taken a lot of art history and history and literature courses and stuff like that. So we tend to gravitate toward sites that have lots of, uh, for one way, uh, one way of putting it, a man-made culture. So uh, we, you know, we spent, you know, I spent three months in Rome studying Latin, believe it or not. Uh, I, uh, we both spent uh, a couple of months in Florence, uh, and just going out and looking at all the art of Florence. And Chris actually studied art in Florence when she was in college. So she knows a lot about, it. and I studied some art history. So, you know, we both kind of have a good idea of what we're looking at. And one of the, the fun things is, is because I can read Latin anywhere we go into any church, uh, I can read all the inscriptions. <laughs> so uh, I'm a good travel companion to have if you happen to be going to Italy or Spain or anywhere else where the Roman church is uh, uh, the big mover and shaker behind the art, which it often is, <laughs> at least in Europe. And Tom, you just got awarded uh, quite quite a few different awards for both uh, your wife's writing and, of, of course, your photography. Uh, tell us about some of those awards uh, as of last week. Well, last week, the North American Associate North American Travel Journalists Association uh, gave us a total of eight awards, uh, and uh, Chris won uh, one award, a gold award for a piece she wrote about uh, coming off the road for a, for a period of time and kind of how difficult it was after traveling nonstop for so long to all of a sudden have a home and a kitchen and have family around you and just sort of the difficulty of changing your mindset. And that piece is on our site and it's, it's really a marvelous piece of writing, I, I really. Uh, really like it, and I. Uh, the other thing she wrote for uh, one for was for uh, a story about land-based tourism in the Galapagos, which uh, you know most uh, Galapagos tourism up till now has been uh, sea-based. You know, you take a cruise around and you sort of jump off on the island and walk around, and then you get back on the boat. Well, we went on an extensive tour of the Galapagos that. The only time we were on the boat was when we were literally going between islands and we visited several different islands, including some which are virtually uninhabited. And uh, we had good naturalist guides. She wrote about that. And, um, and she also wrote about the uh, uh, kind of ecotourism in Cuba, which was uh, also a... Uh, uh, a topic that uh, hasn't been written about much. My uh, photography award 
was for all the photos I took in Cuba. It was sort of a general excellence award because I, well, I did posts. I posted about 35 photos that I took in Cuba out of the thousands that I took. <laughs> and uh, they liked those. So that was uh, very gratifying to uh, be recognized for that. Because it was all about the Cuban people. I mean, 90% of the photos are of Cuban people. So it was a fun thing to well, do. Definitely a big uh, congratulations to you and your wife for those uh, prestigious awards. Uh, definitely sets you apart from uh, the literally millions of travel bloggers there <laughs> and travel photographers. Are. And well, uh, you know, one of the things I think a lot of us who travel a lot want to do is take better pictures to capture the moment and the experiences and the people, the food, the culture, the sights. Um, since you're such an avid photographer, any tips you would give to us uh, who want to get better at photography? Well, there are about a million tips. Uh, I've written, <laughs> I think, a few posts about tips. Uh, my number one tip, I would say, is um, whether you're using your phone or whether you're using a $5,000 DSLR, uh, the thing you have to do is learn to control the camera. And by that, I mean, you have to be confident enough to take it off automatic. <laughs> As, uh, I mean, my joke, uh, or one of the things that amuses me, I should say, is uh, we've been on a couple of river cruises. And, you know, I have, you know, some really nice camera equipment that I've <laughs> uh, acquired over the years. But I saw a guy who had the absolute top of the line Nikon camera and you know and that camera body and lens costs got $7,000 and he's walking around uh, with the flash on and shooting in automatic mode and I'm thinking to myself why do you go out and buy a camera like this, which is designed for professional photographers who can control their images down to the last detail and just put it on automatic and let the camera do the thinking for you? So that's my uh, number one tip is to uh, learn uh, basic camera controls, uh, control the, the sensitivity, the aperture and the shutter speed and between those three or among those three things you have much more control over what your photo is going to look like uh, the second thing i would say is uh, learn a couple of basic rules of composition uh, you know the first thing that you learn is the rule of thirds where you take the frame of your photo and you divide it into thirds horizontally and thirds vertically and uh, put the main subject at the intersection of those lines. And you'll find that it's just much more pleasing to the eye if you do that rather than putting your main focus right in the dead middle of the photo. Uh, another tip I think that a lot of people uh, forget about is to watch your borders. Watch, you know, that's a tip I got from a photographer friend of mine got many, many, many years ago. And that uh, allows you to avoid, 
you know, some weird thing on the side of the photo that is going to distract you from the main focus. It's going to tell you to, you know, look and see if there's a lamp pole growing out of the top of the head of the person you're photographing, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Uh, watch your background. And uh, if you kind of use those three things, your photography is going to improve about a hundred percent right off the bat. <laughs> so there you go. Some definitely some solid advice there. Um, I'm definitely going to be implementing some of those. I'm traveling. Uh, I didn't actually bring along a DSLR, so just traveling a smartphone this time. But uh, yeah, some great advice there, uh, Tom. Uh, so one of your fortes and your niches is this whole area of uh, baby boom travel. Uh, people who <laughs> want to travel when they're over fifty, uh, mm -hmm. maybe. Give us some uh, advice for people who are uh, in that age range and are thinking and considering travel but are just too scared. Well, uh, number one is you shouldn't be scared. I think as, uh, uh, you know, without seeming like I'm just bashing the United States a little bit, you're probably in a lot more danger of being uh, assaulted or killed in this country than you are almost anywhere else. <laughs> Uh, we've been to Egypt, Jordan, uh, South America, you know, some places that a lot of people are afraid to go. And in reality, I have found that almost without exception, those places are the ones that have the friendliest people, the most welcoming people. And if you're not stupid about walking around with your money bell hanging out, you're probably going to get along just fine. And that's not to say that you're not going to get robbed. I mean, you know, everybody who travels to a certain degree is going to get pickpocketed. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know if it's happened to you, but it's happened to us. And we think we know what we're doing, and yet still, you know, something happens. Um, but as long as you're uh, not stupid, and you're aware of your surroundings. I, I think that uh, traveling is completely safe. Well, not completely safe, but nothing's completely safe. Uh, and the other tip I would give is you just have to do it. At, at a certain point, you have to just say, I can do this. I mean, especially if you're my age or close to my age, uh, you know, you've been around the block, presumably, and and you know what is smart to do and what's not smart to do. And and if you uh, just kind of keep your wits about you, you can go anywhere and do anything. <laughs> and one other thing I would say is, uh, you know, don't ever hesitate to ask for help. If you find yourself in a confusing situation, uh, I mean, I'll give the perfect example of Japan, which, uh, you know, is a difficult place to travel, uh, like China, because you can't read the signs. <laughs> you know, at least in Italy or France or something, you might not speak the language, but you can at least read the signs because they're using the Latin alphabet. But boy, if you're in the... Far East, you're in trouble. I mean, if you want to go to 
ABC Street, you have no idea what ABC Street looks like in Chinese. <laughs> but uh, if if you learn to ask people, I mean, we we got lost in Seoul, Korea, basically, and we luckily had just taken a picture of the street sign of the street we were staying on and we're able to show that to the guy on our phone. He goes, oh yeah, it's, and he didn't speak any English at all, but he took us right where we were going. And you'll find that people are just very helpful and very welcoming all over the world. Yeah, no, we've definitely found that in our travels too. And you mentioned uh, some of the most dangerous areas in the world are, uh, you know, some of the, the friendliest and the most hospitable and the kindest and the most generous and the, the, the biggest smiles. I mean, we've been traveling through some, if you want to call it, quote unquote, dangerous areas like El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua. These uh, places don't usually get a lot of media attention for being, uh, you know, like uh, safe and, um, you know, hospitable. But but we, we actually love these areas and we felt fully safe and fully, uh, you know, uh, welcomed uh, by the locals and our family as well. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, that topic up as well, because uh, as long as you keep your wits about you and uh, don't walk around at night, don't uh, flash your bling and uh, yeah, you be street yeah. smart. Uh, those are some great advice. Uh, well, so, uh, Tom, you actually have a, a you know a community as well for, for people who are over fifty to uh, ask questions, get advice. Uh, maybe you can tell us about some of those resources that you can uh, uh, provide for people in uh, baby boomers. Well, uh, well, you just alluded to what I think you were talking about was our Facebook group. We have a Travel Past Fifty community on Facebook. And uh, that's a place where anybody can go. You don't have to be over 50 years old, but you can just go there and say, I'm going to Barcelona next week. And you'll get 20 people who will just say, oh, be sure to do this, go to this restaurant, stay here, see this museum, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and that's a, a really nice place to hang out because you know it's a very cooperative situation there and the other thing is is you know i don't always encourage this i mean well one thing you can do is if you're going somewhere we've been is you can go to our website and just search for that location you can search for barcelona and we might have eight posts about barcelona and uh and the other thing is, and people have done this, they've emailed us and said, I'm going to such and so. You've been there, what can you tell me about it? And we will usually take the time to write them back a fairly long email about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I recall, I mean, I'm thinking of Barcelona, but I, I wrote somebody probably a thousand word email reply about Barcelona. <laughs> And I've since cut and pasted that into other <laughs> other emails and what other people have asked me about it. Um, but uh, so any of those things, I mean, it's a cooperative deal. And the more we can share our love of travel and our knowledge of how to do it, I think we all win if we do that. Yes, we do all win if we do that. So yeah. uh, in closing, I'm curious to know what's next. Uh, you've been to 60 plus countries. Uh, you uh, obviously become an award-winning award, right, award -winning, uh, photographer, writer. 
Uh, tell us about uh, maybe some of your next trips and also about maybe some of your uh, bucket list items still to go. Well, uh, we, you know, we think of the uh, three big, uh, four big countries that we haven't been to, uh, which were China, Russia, Brazil, and India. And we're, we decided we were going to try to knock at least one of those off per year. So uh, we did China two years ago. This year we didn't. Uh, but we just uh, started arranging a trip to Russia uh, in uh, May and June. And we're going to try to uh, uh, take in a World Cup, some of the World Cup while we're there, because we're both big soccer fans. And uh, the other thing we're doing, and we're actually leaving in a couple of weeks, is we're going to go spend a month in uh, Sweden, which for some reason is not a big tourist mecca, but it, it, it's a pretty fascinating place, especially if, uh, well, first of all, Chris is half Swedish. I mean, her father was the child of two Swedes, who both born in Sweden. So she's not very far removed from Sweden. And um, we actually went there a few years ago and literally uh, were able to uh, find her ancestors. I mean, none of her ancestors are, are still there, unfortunately, but we found their graves and we found people who knew them, which was and in this tiny little town out in the middle of nowhere that had a total of about probably 40 residents, we found them. Uh, and so, uh, but this time we're going back and we're actually going up near the Arctic Circle and it'll still be winter up there. We're gonna do some stuff we've never done before, which is like uh, dog sledding and snowshoeing <laughs> and things like that. And it's gonna be cold. And the photographer in me hopes that there's going to be Northern Lights while we're up there. Uh, and so those are the, uh, well, the third thing that we're planning, uh, so far is, uh, we're also going to take a bike trip down in the, uh, the heel portion of Italy and all the times we've been to Italy, we've never been down to that, uh, part of Italy. So we're actually, we're going to take a, a 10 day, uh, bike trip around there. So we're going to do uh, snowshoeing in Sweden, uh, boat cruising in Russia, and uh, biking in Italy in the next three months. <laughs> wow, looking forward to uh, following along on your adventures, uh, especially Russia. That's one of my big bucket list items, too. Uh, love to go to the biggest country in the world. I still haven't seen it yet. Uh, so that's uh, high on the radar. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing in the midst of the World Cup as well. Uh, so definitely wishing you the best in all of these adventures. Uh, to close off here, how can people connect with you? We mentioned already your Facebook group, your social media, your website. Uh, but tell us about all the ways that people can uh, you well, know, follow you along on your adventures, uh, Tom. Well, our, well, first of all, go to travelpast50.com, obviously. Uh, and our handle on all social media is travelpast50. And you can find us there on Instagram, Pinterest. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, you know, we have uh, 
you know, fairly good presence in all of those media. But, you know, go to the uh, Travel Pass 50 and click on blog or click on the search and you can find a lot of what you're looking for. That's what, uh, that's what it's there for. So we hope, you know, everything from tips to destinations to how to, you know, get yourself global entry and, you know, all kinds, there's lots and lots of tips there that we've come across in our 10 year or eight years of doing this now. We're going on eight years, so. <laughs> and the journey continues, so definitely wishing you the best, uh, Tom. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to be on our show today. Definitely, it was uh, great to connect with you. Well, Ricky, it was great to talk to you, and uh, you have a great time in Nicaragua. That's a country we haven't been to yet, and that's on our list, too. So have a great time. Thank you, thank you. We're definitely enjoying Nicaragua, and I highly recommend all of our listeners and viewers, uh, check out Nicaragua and the rest of Central America. You know, it's a beautiful area of the world, especially if you like volcanoes and beaches and Mayan culture and, uh, you know, just uh, history and culture and friendly people, friendly people. Uh, that's the uh, yeah. bottom line here. So uh, make sure you follow us along as well. Uh, we're at daddyblogger.com. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode, and we'll catch up with you guys in the next one. Uh, uh, happy travels.